Welcome to TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Today we have Jeff Goddard, Director of Texas Christian University's Institute of Ranch Management, to talk to us about the portfolio approach to ranch management. Jeff, welcome to TSCRA Talk. I am very excited to have you with us today. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Now, to start, will you tell us briefly a little bit about who you are and your background? Well, I currently am the director of the Institute of Ranch Management at Texas Christian University, and I'm the faculty as well with the Ranch Management Program. I've been associated with TCU for about 23 years now. I'm also a graduate of the Ranch Management Program and a graduate of TCU as well, both undergraduate and graduate school. I also attended Texas A&M. So I got a little bit of Aggie in me as well, which usually helps the crowd some. Basically grew up in Fort Worth, worked at the stockyards. I also managed a ranch in southwest Texas, a fairly diversified cattle and sheep operation and some farming. And I also worked at Cattlefax for a while, gained a lot of interest in marketing and some financial analysis, which we're probably going to talk about a little bit at some point. And then went to work for a major Wall Street investment firm, came back to Fort Worth and went into business with a classmate of mine as a commodity broker, of which I'm still a licensed broker. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like you bring a broad knowledge of lots of segments of the industry then. Now, diving into our topic for today, tell us about the portfolio approach to ranch management. Well, in in reference to what I just talked about, uh, some of my training and background obviously was as a financial analyst with uh, a Wall Street investment firm. I started taking some of those ideas uh, and adapting them to agricultural management, natural resource management in general. And I think it might be best if we started with just basically a, a kind of a broad definition of what I'm referring to in portfolio management. And we're borrowing a lot of the phraseology from the investment world, from the finance world. But basically, in my view, it's the art and science of selecting and overseeing a group of assets or resources to meet long-term objectives. And most of us that have had any dabblings in in investing, you know, whether it's with stocks or bonds or whatever, kind of understand that and and can apply those those, uh, principles to that. But I think it's the transformation into the ranching world that it becomes very, very interesting. Yes, definitely. So there are three components to it, human resources, financial resources, and natural resources. Walk us through those. Exactly. And that, that's the key. So if we go back and look at the financial world, what is portfolio management? What does that mean to a financial analyst? Basically, it means how are we going to allocate our assets? And what I've done is kind of transfer financial assets to a broader sense of assets. And let's call those what you just referred to, the natural resources, financial resources, and human resources. So basically, the process is is about three or four fold. Number one, you inventory your assets. In this case, we're going to look at what type of, uh, well, let's start with human resources. How many people do we have working in the ranching enterprise? It may be a sole proprietorship, maybe a family. It may be bigger than that, but you, you evaluate what your human resources are. Then you look at your natural resources, and you take inventory of from the soil up. What kind of soils do we have? What type of forages can we grow? Is it introduced pasture? Is it native pasture? What type of animals are we, are we producing? Is it a cow-calf business, stocker operation? On and on, you can see the, how we go there. And then finally, you look at the financial assets. And, and, and by the way, none of these are necessarily more important than the other. I think what's critical is that we look at this and we manage all of these across the board unilaterally. So it, it's, nothing is going to outweigh the other in terms of importance. So once we've inventoried those assets, we then sit down and set our goals and objectives, realistically. 
What is it we want to try to accomplish over the next three, five, ten years? You know, do we want to expand the operation? Do we want to improve our forage production? Do we want to improve our genetics on our animals? So on and so forth. And then we look at the third component, which is how we allocate those resources we just talked about to achieve those goals. And, and that's, a, that's a constant continuum. It's always changing. It's going to be impacted by weather. Obviously, it's going to be impacted by markets. It's going to be impacted by things like pandemics, you know, that we're having to deal with now. So all those things are, are, are a continuum that constantly change. And then probably the final thing, and certainly not the least important, is we look at it and assess results. And in the financial world, we call that rebalancing the portfolio. So we can actually go in and say, how do we need to reallocate these assets if we did not meet our, our initial goals and objectives? Well, that's fascinating. And, you know, it reminds me of a three-legged stool that if one leg is not strong, if it's shorter than the others, we're going to have a problem. And so evaluating how do we adjust this and constantly evaluating, constantly looking at all aspects of where where do we need to improve so that we have a solid foundation and a solid bottom line. That's exactly right. It's a great analogy. And when we teach our students here at TCU, we use that analogy quite often. It's definitely the same thing. Let's go into the next steps of the portfolio approach. One thing I would add is I gave you kind of a broad overview of how you would set up that approach to a management system, the, the four or three or four steps that are involved in that. But if you can envision and your listeners can envision a flow chart, once you, and, and the reason I broke it into those three categories that you mentioned earlier, natural resources, financial resources, and human resources, is it's, it's easy for my, to me to get my head around to where I got those in three boxes, three boxes, if you will, or three, three buckets. And from those, if you envision a flow chart, comes all the other things that we need to focus on. You know, if, for example, if we look at natural resources, we can start measuring annual rainfall. We can start taking soil samples. We can actually drop down and get a little bit deeper into the technical aspect of, of management. So, to, again, to fit our goals and our objectives. So it becomes a lot more involved, obviously, but that's the whole point. You start in a, in a, at the top of the flow chart and you work your way through to the bottom. Well, that makes perfect sense. And again, it's identifying areas that can be improved and then bringing in the aspect of mother nature, rainfall. You know, my husband and I right now, thankfully we've had some rain in the last week, but we have been pretty dry leading up to now. Talk to me about grazing systems, natural resource management. Let's dive into that a little bit more. Well, I think that we'd like to go back to the definition I gave you a minute ago. We use this quite often in, in uh, ranch management and our philosophy and our teaching. It's the art and science of, of resource management. It's definitely both. And anybody that's ever tried to graze animals knows that, you know, you can write up a grazing system and you can put it on a spreadsheet and you can look at it on your computer. But to actually really implement it and, and have an impact what you're doing, you've got to be out in the pasture constantly evaluating forage production, forage growth, where you are in that system. So I'd start off by saying that. The other thing that I really want to emphasize is that there is, to me, there is no one size fits all. Depending on the different types of, of terrain, different types of soils, different types of forage, you have to adapt different types of grazing and rotational grazing systems to the environment that you're in. And, and that's, again, the, the philosophy that we teach. We match the cow to the environment and we manage the environment. So when you look at grazing systems and grazing, you know, programs, I think it's very, I think the industry sometimes slips into uh, maybe a little false sense of security by trying to be prescriptive in, in saying that you should be doing what I'm doing or I should be doing what you're doing. And that's not always necessarily the case. 
And that's one of the things that we've really tried to do with some of the work that we've done outside of the program and through the Institute, whether it's here domestically or internationally, we're looking at basically individual operations and trying to build that portfolio system to that individual operation. That makes sense. Not every ranch is going to look the same. Not every area is going to look the same. And that leads me to the TCU Living Laboratory. It was featured in the Cattleman Magazine last year. Tell our listeners a little bit more about that program and some of the things that are coming out of that program. Well, and thank you for asking. Thank the the Cattleman for for actually devoting several articles to that. Our objective was in Living Laboratories is is, uh, a partnership with Burgundy Pasture Beef, who is uh, owned and operated by John Taggart and his son, Ben, both of whom are graduates of the Ranch Management Program. I'm very proud of what they do. But it really started many years ago with John before we got involved. And, and he was, he's kind of a, a scientist by design. He just, he's constantly asking questions. And basically, to make this a, a little bit more brief than, you know, we, we have time for, but he basically transformed a lot of margin, what we what we'd call marginal farmland that had been plowed and cultivated back into native prairie. And that in and of itself is, is, is a wonderful story, but how he, how he does it and then how he manages it is really what we're trying to look at in the living laboratory. And it basically summarizes everything that we've just talked about. We evaluated the assets. We looked at his goals and objectives. He's running a grass-fed beef operation. And what we're trying to do is, is have takeaways We've done a lot of studies we've, from the soil up. We've done soil testing. You know, we do a lot of forage clips. We do a lot of forage testing. And what we're trying to do is, is determine what is transferable to other ranchers. And again, not be prescriptive. We're not saying that everybody has to do it the way John does it. But there are some basic principles of grazing management, of soil management, of biodiversity. You know, all those things can be applied just about everywhere in the world. And what we've been able to do is take a lot of what we're finding. And by the way, this is a continuum. It's never going to stop because, as you just mentioned, the weather changes and everything, markets change and all sorts of things change. You have to adapt to those things. But what we're trying to do is find the common things that can be transferable to just about any other ranching operation anywhere in the world. And we've been able to uh, able to actually take some of that information and transfer it to some operations that we're working with in Central America and even Western Europe and the UK. Well, that is so interesting. And, you know, I love the aspect that, you know, you can't make informed decisions and changes if you're not tracking, if you're not keeping up with the information. We can make guesses, but if we truly want to improve with the focus on sustainability and long-term taking care of the land, taking care of our cattle, and at the end of the day, making a profit from the work that we're investing, we have to have information and facts. Yeah, I thank you for saying that. I think that's probably one of the most salient points to be made in this whole conversation is, I apologize, I kind of brushed over that a little bit, but you're exactly right. I mean, we have to be measuring what we're doing, you know, and and we have, if we've got these goals and objectives, that's great, but we've got to know whether we're achieving those goals and objectives, if we're doing it the right way, if we're doing it in a sustainable way, as as you say. But it's so critically important to keep records and be involved in that constant. And basically what we're doing in the living laboratory is we've been working there for probably four or five, six years now, and we've built a huge data set that is, uh, it reflects that. So we've got a weather station there where we're constantly monitoring wind speed, soil moisture, rainfall, I mean, you name it. And it's all, the technology is kind of fun to look at, but you're exactly right. It, it all boils down to being able to record and accurately synthesize that data. Now, for someone who has not tracked anything, 
Tell us what would be the first few things to get started with to just start the process of evaluating the natural resources, the forage management aspect of their operation. Excellent question. Excellent. And I think it's, it's, it's really pretty simple. The one thing that we can all start tracking is, is rainfall. Anybody can put a rain gauge out on a fence post and maybe need several across the ranch. But f- the first thing you do is, is go ahead and put those rain gauges up. So at least you have some idea of how much rainfall you get. And probably simultaneously while you're out putting those rain gauges up, start taking soil samples. And what we teach in ranch management is from the soil up. It all starts there. So we have to know what our, our soil characteristics are. We have to know what the soil profiles are, what the, what the ecocytes can actually produce in range sites, because we may have goals and aspirations of, of you know, having nothing but big blue stem or Indian grass or switchgrass. But if the soil can't support that type of forage system, then we're not going to have that. And we're going to find that we're going to spend a lot of money and not get the results that we want. So it's critically important to take soil samples, send them off to the soil labs or to Texas A&M, get the results. And now you know at least what you're working with. And I can't over, overemphasize how important that is. And then you make the decisions from that based on what the soil recommendations are that says, this is what I can grow. You know, what are the plants that can grow in my area? What type of biodiversity do I want? Do do I want to be in an introduced forage system or do I want to be in a native pasture system or both combination thereof? I think the one thing that we've learned that I just add, and this may be a little bit too much opinion, but I'll share it with you anyway. One thing that we've learned working in the living laboratory is that we see a huge benefit in moving away from monocultures. And I think there's a lot of data with a lot smarter PhDs than, than me that uh, have been able to support that that may not be the best way to implement a forage and a grass production system, particularly with livestock. Well, again, it's very interesting. And that helps because it can seem overwhelming of where to start, but that's a very simple way to get started, start tracking, and then as you start making shifts and changes, you can add more information to track. And um, Yeah, I think the one thing, if I could add real quickly, I, huh. I mentioned the rainfall and, and you know tracking that data and obviously the soil testing. But another thing that anybody can do, and it's very easy to learn, is to take forage clips. Not necessarily forage samples, but forage clips. Forage samples are good as well. So you can try to figure out what the protein content is and that type of thing. Because, again, going back to my flow chart, if you envision, well, protein is going to affect weight gain, and, and that could have an impact on animal health, and on and on and on it goes. And if I'm, if I'm investing in, in superior genetics, I want to be able to express those genetics. How am I going to be able to do that? Well, that's with high-quality nutrition, whether that's feed, supplemental feed, or preferably pasture. But my point is you can take a forage clip to where you know the amount of forage you have which is going to help you stock the branch properly. And I think most people would tell you that where ranchers get in trouble is where they, they're not stocked properly. And it's so easy to get into a, a very bad situation where you're overstocked, you have overutilization of your forages, you don't have the regrowth, and it's kind of a, a spiral down. So it all, it all starts with how you're stocked. Stocking rates are, and carrying capacity are probably the most important things to look at. Well, something that comes to mind is that, you know, if we take care of the land, the land will take care of us. And I think that holds true to this conversation. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I know we could talk probably for hours about (laughs) all of this, but we're going to wrap it up. Jeff, we sure appreciate your time today. We appreciate your knowledge and information, and we look forward to seeing you down the road. My pleasure. Been, Been nice talking with you. Thank you.
And now we have Stacy Fox with TSCRA joining us to give us insight about the virtual cattle raisers convention this September. Stacy, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you, and thanks for having me today. Now, tell us what the virtual convention is going to look like this year. So, obviously, it's going to look a lot different from our normal conventions and the events that we're used to, but we're still going to bring you the great content that you're used to to hearing when you attend a cattle raisers convention. We are going to have the School for Successful Ranching. We're still going to have a lot of those programs, some on demand, some live in those two days of September 15th and 16th. But some of it, if you register, you'll get access to that content leading up to the convention and afterwards. And then during the convention, we're still going to have folks like Randy Block, the Cattle Fact CEO, who's still going to be there with us. We're, we're going to have Evan Smith with the Texas Tribune. What this has given us is an opportunity to bring in speakers that uh, maybe we couldn't bring in before from, from other parts of the country and, and other areas that that maybe we couldn't pay for their travel or we they couldn't travel, but we can bring them into the convention virtually. And so that's an exciting thing to come with, with this option is maybe some new speakers that you haven't heard from before. But we're still going to bring you all those important topics that, that you're used to hearing at the Cattle Ragers Convention. Well, that's really exciting that there's going to be like above and beyond content. And the great thing is we're going to be able to bring you all of this content with over 20 or 25 sessions available for just $149. So it's a little cheaper than if you had gone in person, but still a great opportunity to get all of this great content that's going to be everything from practical information that you can use on the ranch all the way up to political stuff that we're dealing with and industry-wide issues that we're working through at this time. That's an amazing value. Where do people go if they want to learn more about participating in convention if they had not previously signed up? Yeah, so cattleraisersconvention.com, the same website where we put all that other information for the in-person event. We'll put all the online stuff there. So again, that's cattleraisersconvention.com. You can always give us a call at 1-800-242-7820 as well. Okay, wonderful. And I encourage our listeners, if they're ever interested in learning more about TSCRA, to visit tscra.org. <laughs>